0: Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones.
1: Building in Faith. For Paul, loving God was absolutely number one. Loving Jesus Christ was what life is all about. It's not about getting an education. No, that's important. It's not about having a great job. Nothing's wrong with that. It's not about just raising a family. Well, that's important. But all of those things are secondary to Christ. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see.
0: You're changing our lives. What is your number one priority in life? For many of us, we get distracted by our jobs, families, and education, and begin to make idols out of these things. But in today's message, Pastor Ed encourages us to take a cue from the Apostle Paul. It's clear in the book of Philippians that Paul, despite his circumstances, put Christ at the center. He strove to magnify the Lord. When we do this, everything else will naturally fall into place. The Lord will direct our paths and take care of our every step Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message, Joyful Confidence.
1: Now some translations use the word magnify, and I think of that telescope when you look at some distant star or planet or solar system and it brings it closer that you could see it. To some people, God is so distant and so far. But in your crisis, in your prison experience, in the battle that you go through, when you exalt Christ, when you magnify Christ, you bring him to them through Your faith and trust. They see Christ in you as you trust the lord through that trial god is glorified in your life and people are drawn to christ that's what paul the apostle is saying in the midst of everything that he's going through his desire is to lift jesus higher to exalt the lord you've seen it you've experienced you get a glimpse of god by watching someone else in the midst of their trial and disappointment they're going through hard times but their faith their trust they're leaning on the lord you feel God's presence in their life and through their life. That's what was happening in Paul. The guards that were chained to Paul, the visitors that came to meet him, the people that observed him, they saw something different in him. That was the presence of Jesus. So he said, I'm going to be vindicated. That's what it meant. My deliverance, this idea that God would vindicate him. Remember Job and the comforters that came and began to speak? Job, there's some hidden sin. That's why you're suffering. Paul actually echoes Job's words. You could see it in the Septuagint. He's actually quoting Job in these verses, and he's saying, God's going to vindicate me. He will vindicate Paul through his life, but he will ultimately vindicate him in the day of judgment where at times there were things that just didn't make sense to the people around. When they looked at Paul's life, they couldn't figure out why he went through this, why he went through that, why this happened to him. But in that last day, God himself will put all the pieces of the puzzle together. There will be a clear picture And we'll understand it better by and by, as the song says. We'll understand it more clearly. And so Paul was confident that God was going to deliver him, that God would vindicate him. And it was going to happen as he prayed and others prayed for him, as he was filled and Refilled with the Holy Spirit as he took that trial and that trial came knocking on his door. And he says, how can I magnify Christ? How can I exalt Christ in the midst of what I'm suffering? He was confident of his vindication, but he was also confident in life and death. In verse 21, perhaps one of the most well-known verses in the book of Philippians. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is a gain. For Paul, living was all about Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what life was to him. He would have liked the acronym WWJD. He would have liked that logo. What would Jesus do? Because that's how Paul the Apostle lived his life. He lived it in fellowship with Christ. Christ guiding, directing his steps. You know, religion, Christianity is more than a set of doctrines, statements of faith. Paul was a theologian. He believed in doctrine. He believed in sound doctrine. He told us, in fact, in the last days, some people would depart from sound doctrine. And he warned us to hold fast to the truths handed down to us. But Paul didn't stop there. It's not a set of beliefs that we give mental assent to. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ this is what Christianity is. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What would happen in our lives? What would happen in this church? What would happen in the Christian world if we took these 12 words, for me to live is Christ, to die is again. gain. If we took them seriously and we began to live out Paul's motto, you could see it. Life for him was Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, 22 to 24, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. He opens up his thinking to us he he shows this quandary that he's in he reveals to us this debate that's going on inside of him i want to be with god i want to be with them it's really better to be with jesus but yet it's helpful it's fruitful for the people of god that i'm there you know The Bible talks about Christians being like trees planted in the house of God. And it tells us to bear fruit. I think some Christians are more like Christmas trees. They have lots of ornaments on, but they really don't bear fruit. We're called to be fruit-bearing Christians. The fruit of the Spirit is to be reflected in our lives How would you define your purpose in life, your reason for being? Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Let's just work through an exercise. In your mind, take a piece of paper. What would you fill in? For me to live is... What would you put there? For me to live is work. For me to live is my family. For me to live is accomplishments. I want to accomplish something. For me to live is to golf. (laughs) Well, what does it mean for you to live? What's the purpose that your life revolves around? What are you anchored to? What drives you, directs you, determines what you do, what you don't do. For Paul, it was this. For me to live, it's Christ, it's Jesus. For some, to live is serving in the church. No. That's what makes it so hard for us. When it comes time to go home, to be with God. For me to live as Christ. See, for Paul the Apostle, living was about Jesus. Living was about fellowship with him. His joy was his relationship to Jesus. And so when he thought about death, he thought, I'll see him. I've lived for him. I'll see him. I've walked with him. I'll go to him. And so there was this joyful anticipation that someday he'd be with Christ. And that's what life was. Oh, in church, we gather around somebody. Let's have a prayer meeting. we got to pray that they're healed. Now they're 90 some odd years old. <laughs> Lord, give them another decade. <laughs> we ought to be thinking, Lord, I want to be with you. Do you know that early Christians prayed for a good death? I gave out to our board back in January some of the prayers of some of the pilgrims and some of the Puritans, and uh, there's prayers in there preparing for death. Early Christians prayed for a glorious homegoing, a good death. It was Count Nicholas von Zindendorf who was involved, of course, with the Moravian Brethren, deeply impacted Europe. Eventually, it was Moravian Brethren who witnessed to John Wesley on his way back across the Atlantic, on his way back to England, that precipitated John Wesley's salvation. But Count von Zindendorf, Nicholas von Zindendorf said, I have but one enthusiasm. It is he, only he. What's your one enthusiasm? Paul in Galatians 2.20 said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I will live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. For Paul, loving God was absolutely number one. Loving Jesus Christ was what life is all about. It's not about getting an education. Oh, that's important. It's not about having a great job. Nothing's wrong with that. It's not about just raising a family. Though that's important. But all of those things are secondary. To Christ. For me to live is Christ. That's what life is all about. Paul the apostle knew how to live because it was Christ living in him. But he also knew how to die. He talks about death in verses 22 to 24. If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. What shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better by far. Paul was not weary with life. He was not going through a state of depression where he just wanted to escape the stresses, the difficulties, and the struggles. No, no. Paul was so in love with Jesus that he wanted to be in his presence. Christ was so real to him that he wanted to be with him. Now, Paul did see heaven. We're told about that, that he was taken up into the very presence of God. And I'm sure that influenced him. He had a glimpse of what is yet to come. Now, Paul wanted to be in God's presence. When a person dies, they don't just... They don't enter some suspended animation or something. It's not some soul sleep. To be absent from the body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. And that's what Paul wanted, to be present with the Lord. When we leave this present world, and we're a Christian serving God, we come into his presence. I've seen Christians die, and I've seen non-Christians die, and there is a big difference There's a a testimony concerning Voltaire, a, a French atheist who really spoke out against Christianity and was a real opponent of the Christian church. In the dying hours, this is what he said throughout the night. He said, oh Christ, oh Jesus Christ, I am in torment. I am in the flames. I shall go to hell. A nurse who witnessed his death said afterwards, for all the money in Europe, she would not want to witness the death of another atheist. Contrast that to Martin Luther, who said, God is the God by whom we escape death. John Knox said, live in Christ, live in Christ, and the flesh need not fear death. Charles Wesley said, I shall be satisfied with thy likeness. He died saying, satisfied, satisfied. That's the way for us to depart from this world to the next world? I still remember Joan Reynolds, just such a beautiful woman who loved the Lord, went home to be with the Lord a number of years ago, but I remember visiting her in the hospital. Whenever I'd go into the hospital, she'd have a prayer request for me. I've witnessed to this nurse. I've shared the gospel with this doctor. Pray for this person. I'd go in to pray for her, and she'd wind up praying for me. And she would always say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to go be with Jesus. She was a powerful witness through her life, always witnessing, always handing out tracts, always telling others about Jesus. Jesus was so real to her, she just wanted to be with Jesus. And I would say, Joan, your family needs you. She said, Pastor, they'll be okay. I'm 70-something years old. I just want to go be with Jesus. Pray, I want to go be with the Lord. I mean, that was her faith. How real is Jesus to us? I like what, there's an Indian saying that goes, when you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live so that when you die, the world will cry and you will rejoice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Confident in life and in death, confident of vindication that it's all going to work out for our salvation confident of being a blessing verses 25 to 26 convinced of this I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me notice what he is thinking about He's weighing things in his mind. Most of us, when we want to make a decision, evaluate things in terms of ourselves, what's best for us. Paul was saying, What's best for the Philippians? What's best for the congregation at Philippi? He made his decisions on the basis of others. You know the acronym? Joy, Jesus, others, yourself. Live that way, and there will be joy. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. It was in Paul's life, in verse 25, you see him wanting them to advance in Christ, convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress. How does our presence impact people? Does it impede them or empower them? Does it drag them or lift them? Paul's presence meant that others would grow in Christ. Others would go further in God. Others would be encouraged to live and walk and serve the Lord. What does your presence mean if God gives you 10, 20 30 more years. What will those years mean to his kingdom, to his church, to your family, to your friends? What does your presence do? Paul the Apostle recognized that his presence among them meant that they would advance in the faith. Notice that They would be rejoicing in Christ in verses 25 and 26. I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ, Jesus will overflow. That was the ambiance of Paul's presence. He had presence I like what Paul said in Philippians 1.18. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. His presence brought joy into the lives of people because it brought them into God's presence. I want to read to you a letter that a missionary wrote. Her name was Karen Watson. She went to the mission field in March of 2003, and she died on the mission field in March of 2004 as a martyr. She went to Iraq. Karen Watson wrote to her pastors. Let me read to you the letter. Dear Pastor Phil and Pastor Roger, you should only be opening this letter in the event of my death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible, my heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place. I was called to him. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory, my reward. His glory, my reward. One of the most important things to remember right now is to persevere in the work. I'm writing this as if I am still working with my people group. I thank you all so much for your prayers and support. Surely your reward in heaven will be great. Thank you for investing in my life and my spiritual well-being. Keep sending missionaries out. Keep raising up fine young pastors. In regard to any... Service, and she's referring to a funeral service. Keep it small and simple. Yes, simply just preach the gospel. Be bold and preach the life-saving, life-changing, forever, eternal gospel. Give glory and honor to our Father. And then she wrote, "A missionary's heart care more than some think wise. Risk more than some think it's safe. Dream more." than some think is practical. Expect more than some think is possible. I was called not to comfort or success, but to obedience. There is no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving him. I love you too and my church family. In his care, Karen. Living is about Jesus Christ. Living is about being all wrapped up in him God deliver us from being religious and help us to live lives that demonstrate Christ for me for you to live is Christ to die is a gain take that motto up Take it out of the realm of the ideal and put it into the practical. Start practicing this week. Building in faith.
0: We're so glad you've joined us again today for Building in Faith for Dr. Ed Jones' teachings from the book of Philippians. Even though Paul wrote this book while in prison, the joy of the Lord fills every word. Paul knew that his imprisonment was being used for God's glory and the spread of the gospel. When you take a look at the hardships in your own life, can you see how God is working them for your good and His glory? When you're walking through the hard times, soaking yourself in the words of this book can bring a new perspective and transform your thinking. Whatever season of life you're in, we aren't meant to do it alone. We encourage you to find a community of believers to journey with. This family of faith will be able to offer you the support you need in any situation you face. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area, we'd love to see you at Faith Assembly. Weekend services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday, and there's a Wednesday evening Bible study at 7 p.m. Find out more about Faith Assembly by visiting our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. You can also look us up on Facebook. Just search for Faith AG2. We'd also love to answer any questions you may have, so give us a call at 845-462-5955. Once again, that's 845 845- 462-5955. That's all we have time for on today's edition. Join us again as we continue in Philippians next time on Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones.
1: Your Word